it's up to you and me to shine a guiding light and lead the way. United by our cause, we have the power to pursue what we believe. We'll achieve the realization of our dreams. Hello there, and welcome to this week's episode of New Horizons. I'm Vaughn Benison. Thanks for your company. This week we go back to January of 2019 and New Horizons episode 588. Ross McGregor has been involved with the recording industry for over 40 years now and recently he won an award known as the Country Music Hands of Fame. Firstly, congratulations on your uh, recent award. Yeah, so, um, it was quite a surprise to me. I, when I had my studio in Sydney, I uh, produced over 60 albums for various country artists and so... Uh, uh, they inducted me into the Hands of Fame and we went down last Saturday to what they call the Hands of Fame Park and you put your hand in the wet cement and uh, make an imprint with your hand there and they put a plaque there you know, just saying who you are and uh, yeah, so it's a, it's a great experience and uh, like I said, there's a real good surprise for me. Mm. You're quite known for being one of the very few blind people in Australia who has successfully run a recording studio. Why don't you tell us a bit about you and how you got started in that? Right, well I was um, doing music, this was back in the early 70s, and I played piano and keyboards and I was doing uh, gigs around Sydney, just playing a, a trio, and, uh, but I always wanted to do recording, I wanted to work in the, the background of music. Uh, recording and arranging music and uh, producing albums. So I started with a little four-track machine. It's called the Sony four-track. It's one they built actually for the quadraphonic days when they were trying to get quadraphonic music going. And I bought that and then I just gradually expanded and then opened the studio in 75. Um, I started off with what they call an eight-track machine and then I gradually expanded up to a 16 and eventually a 24-track. And um, I just mainly bought all off-the-shelf equipment. Uh, I put uh, labels on you know, quite a few of the channels on the mixer. I had a, had a mixing console, which was um, 36 channel, so the mixer was about six foot long, like a table about six foot long, and just covered with knobs and buttons and uh, uh, connected plugs. And so I put uh, labels on the channels there, and then uh, I bought... Uh, a meter from, at the time, was Science for the Blind in America. I had a, a buzzer meter, so you hook it up to the channel, <coughs> and then when you reached you know, a certain level, it would buzz to let you know that you, if you were recording too loud. And that was basically, uh, also in the early days, well, I used to Perkins, and uh, later on I got a Eureka, uh, the Eureka A4, and so I used that you know, just to keep notes on the business and the projects. So um, it was only those two or three items that I, I used. It was special modifications, or it was just uh, uh, standard, you know, off-the-shelf recording equipment. Given the amount of technology that's available and uh, the accessibility to some to a large extent in uh, recent years, I think very few people would understand um, what recording you know, 30, 35, 40 years ago was like. And in some respects, I suppose you could say it was more accessible than uh, today's methods. Uh, computer recording now is becoming a lot more accessible, say, in the last two or three years than, say, it was in the early 2000s, you know, when um, people started using uh, software-based recording. And 
So we went through a bit of a dark period there for a while. For probably the last two or three years, the access is getting a lot better with the scripts that are written. And we've, I think, changed. And Windows 10, I think, has enabled quite a bit of that. And then there are various hardware devices around that they make. A, they're called control surface. And they're actually like a little unit with knobs and buttons and switches on it. And you actually use that to control aspects of the computer, whereas in previous days you would have had to point the mouse and click something. These days you can just actually adjust the knob or, or push the switch to uh, make adjustments. So it's, it's uh, got a lot better in the last few years. But yeah, certainly back in the early days, once you could read the levels, um, you know, you more or less could manage things quite well. Uh, back in those days, we used to, to uh, splice tape to do everything, like you'd cut the tape if you wanted to edit two bits of music together, you'd put the tape in a block and then run a razor blade across it <coughs> to do a, like a 45 degree cut and then you'd uh, affix the splicing tape to that and um, I actually did quite a lot of that and once again, you could be, you know, your own little techniques to do it in your own style, but because um, these days with computers, well that's all out the window you can, it's much easier to do edits these days so like in those days, so and of course, once you made a cut on the tape, or if it's the wrong place, well, you would start. You have to go back and uh, they remix it again, and then uh, and then do a new cut. So. You've produced, uh, as you said, uh, in excess of uh, sixty albums for uh, for the country music industry. Who are some of the people you've produced for? Um, <clears throat> well, like, if you're a country music fan, you might know some of the names. So I have uh, Evelyn Berry, I have Owen Blundell, Ian Blundell. Uh, Reg Poole, uh, Glenn Jones, uh, there's a lady in Sydney called Heidi Summerfield. Uh, also worked with Mary Schneider. She's, she's quite a famous, famous yodeler. Uh, and Norma Murphy. And also did some recording with Alan Caswell. Some people may know his name. And uh, John Williamson. I did, did one or two tracks with John. So there's a few names there that people may know if they're not into country music. But as well as those... 60, in total, I did 300 albums the time I was in Sydney, and that was in all different music styles, uh, just about any, any music style you could imagine I, I did those, plus I did quite a lot of spoken word material, uh, like tutorials, <coughs> or um, uh, language uh, training tapes, I did quite a few of those, and also I did work for Peter Coombe, he was a very well-known children's songwriter, he recorded for uh, ABC Records. And I did about eight albums with Peter. So probably a lot of people would know him from maybe their childhood. He wrote songs for kids, say, age between you know, five and 12 or 13. So uh, <clears throat> a lot of people like his music. And I actually was awarded um, three uh, gold albums for the work I did with Peter, three of his albums that were what they call million sellers, or platinum or, or gold sellers in Australia. Got a award, got the call on Ari, an Ari award for those. So uh, he, he might have been, the, I suppose, the most famous person that I work with. I heard his more in the, as I say, the children's music in the album, the country music. Mm. And are you still recording today? <clears throat> yes, well, I've, I moved to Tamworth in 2000 and uh, using a computer based setup. Now, over the last uh, probably four or five years, I haven't done much of. Um, I've just been doing more uh, live playing. I do quite a lot of playing now in um, aged care facilities, 
and travel around and entertain folks there. But since I won the award, I'm now uh, dividing my uh, recording career and I'm now promoting myself through my website to so that people who want to do an album, if you're looking someone to produce the album, or uh, I have a certain style of producing, certain way of mixing, so if my style you know, suits them or suits their style, well, they may want me to record for them. Or, um, my style is not so much like the current high country music to me. It's, it's gone a bit too rocky and uh, rock and rollish, so I, I tend to mix in a more traditional style and arrange that way, so uh, I'm just saying to artists, you know, if they want someone who does my style, well, I'm available to do work for them. And I am doing, uh, I've got a studio at home now, and I'm doing just quite a lot of small jobs just where I uh, play piano for someone, or, or I also do uh, piano accordion. I'm doing piano accordion for a bloke at the moment. They just send me the files on the email, and I just play the accordion and send it back to them. And uh, I've just finished a job three nights ago for a local she went over to Nashville to do an album and I did all the, uh, what they call the pre-production demos with her before she went. So, yes, I'm doing lots of little jobs and uh, still chasing up album production work for Envy. What would you say are some of the uh, the most exciting things from your point of view to uh, to have happened to the recording industry over your, your time in it? Well, I suppose the introduction of computers, I suppose, there's a lot of things now a lot easier to do on a computer than they were on the old tape days. And uh, a lot more things you can do that you can never could do in the old tape days. Like, for example, now you have um, auto-tune where you can correct someone's pitch on their vocals or uh, on their plane. And I think especially for us in the last, as I said before, a couple of years, it's become quite a lot more accessible. Uh, so it's... Um, probably generally just the, the use of computers makes it easy to do lots of tasks. Um, these days you can mix the track and then you can save it all, save all the settings, then you can uh, listen to it a couple of days' time and just make some adjustments to the mix. Uh, whereas you could never do that in the old studio days because you'd have to set up your mixing console and you might be setting, adjusting maybe 500 or 600 knobs and buttons and switches and you couldn't leave them set like that for two or three days because you'd have to zero the desk again for the project you might be doing tomorrow or the next day. And then if you wanted to go and do the mix again on the one you did last week, you've got to reset those 500 knobs and buttons and switches again to where they were. And unless you wrote all them down, which you wouldn't do, it's uh, very difficult to recreate a mix that you've done last week. Well, of course, on the computer, it's all this settings are saved in the, in the memory so as a blind person how do you drum up business and uh, how do you find that's changed over the years I think as a blind person it's probably a bigger point that you have to because you can have a lot of things come along which can attempt to derail you or put you off or discourage you and um, you just have to keep that focus because I believe if you if you have that focus when things come up it might be a problem, uh, you, you approach it with the idea, okay, well, I've got to find a solution to this. I've got to, I've got to find a way around it somehow or other. And it's what they used to say, call uh, natural thinking, which you have to think, well, okay, well, I can't do it this way. Uh, how can I do it? Or can I try this way or that way? 
And if you have that strong focus, well, you're more determined to uh, find a way around whatever problem might here that's come up. And then hopefully find a solution and then manage to, you know, to keep moving forward. So, uh, you know, I think that's the main point, I think, is get a clear idea of what you want to do and know what your strengths are and what you can and what you can't do. If you do have some weaknesses, well, then say, okay, I've got to really work on that and become a better person at this and that or whatever it is. But, um, you know, just hang on to that focus despite whatever delays come along or setbacks or disappointments, you know, just keep now, you've already mentioned that uh, since you've won your award, it has changed things a little bit for you, but what does it mean for you in your future, do you think? Well, I think it's kind of, um, you know, revived um, my enthusiasm. I suppose to get out and try and chase a bit of work again. With the award, uh, I just felt, well, I still can continue production work, even though, as I said, I don't particularly relate much to the current country music sound, uh, I still have a style that I do work in or that I arrange music in and I'm sure there's some artists out there who would like my style. Uh, maybe there might not be many, but uh, you only need you know, two or three years to, to um, have a reasonable workflow. So um, I thought, well, I'll just put myself out there and I've got a website where I um, talk about what I do and how I approach recording and what my philosophy is. Uh, and it's just a case of saying, I think of um, just saying, well, this is who I am, this is what I do. And um, they're looking either like it or lump it. Actually, for that, I'm not going to change my style to try to um, be compatible with you know, today's recording technique. It's just a case of me just being myself and saying, this is what I do, this is how I mix, this is how I write, and putting it out there on the web, and um, yeah, we'll see what happens, see if we get the work. Ross McGregor there, and on behalf of all of us with Blind Citizens Australia, congratulations on winning that award. And if you'd like to get in touch with Blind Citizens Australia, you can call 1800 033 660, 1800 66 or you can email bca at bca.org.au, bca at bca.org.au. And I'll talk to you next week. We'll achieve the realisation of a dream. Of our dreams